0: It doesn't matter if you're Intel and trying to build a turnaround or if you're NVIDIA pioneering new fields or if you're any old technology company or any old company that needs to become a technology company, you probably need Synopsys' help. (laughs) That's a fun acronym, huh? Sassy.
1: I guess with that being said, you would not recommend buying at this point then. Today we're going to take a look at Synopsys and Palo Alto Networks. And as mentioned in a previous video, you may be wondering why we're doing these two together, but we're going to explain why these two companies are connected. Let's start with Synopsys. And Nick, maybe you can give us an overview of what this company does, what the business model is, and who are the customers of Synopsys?
0: I think we need to go to your handy-dandy semiconductor industry flowchart to explain this, Casey. As you can see here, synopsis, the bulk of its business, two thirds of it, 65% in the last quarter is EDA software, electronic design automation. Think of this as like AutoCAD, but for chips and to an increasing amount, actually maybe we could say to a very dramatic amount these days, also computing system companies. And so that could be anyone from a company that assembles chips into a computer or some component of a computer. Uh, and it could also be, as a result, data center companies uh, that operate data centers, You know, patch servers together to create these massive buildings full of computing power. It could be an automotive company that uses chips to create the modern vehicle, which is a data center on wheels. Any number of business now could be a Synopsys EDA customer. Uh, Another 25% of the business is IP, intellectual property. Think of that as like arm holding that IPO. It's like might actually be happening within the next month or two. Synopsys has a part of its business that addresses that. They have patented chip designs that they license out to their customers that those customers can use as like the basic building blocks, a starting point, if you will, in their own custom chip design. And then finally, the last 10% of the business is software verification and security. Talk a lot about on this channel. One of one of the core tenets, the reasons why we started this channel was tighter integration between chip design and software development as a big necessary thing that needs to happen over the next decade. Synopsis building a platform that s- stitches the two things together because they're obviously very need to be tightly connected. The chips power the software more integration between those two parts needed. And that's where that software verification and security business comes into play.
1: Does Synopsys have any competitors in this space?
0: Absolutely. Another one of our favorite companies here that we like to talk about, Cadence Design Systems. The other top player playing second fiddle to Synopsys in the EDA space. And then uh, the third major component of that is company that used to be called Mentor. Uh, It was acquired by the German industrial giant Siemens. So now it's just known as Siemens EDA. That's the third big EDA player. And then there's some other ancillary pieces of software like uh, Ansys, another company that we've talked about here and there over the last few years, but Ansys, an engineering software provider that focuses on physics, uh, simulation, how a design will actually behave in the real world. So a little bit of EDA there as well. Synopsis: the big one, Cadence and Siemens, it's two primary competitors.
1: And I will put in a little plug for one of my favorite companies, Lattice Semiconductor, because they also provide software to assist in the design of chips. You can check out our views on Lattice Semiconductor in some of our other videos. We'll make sure we link those here. Let's discuss the financial results for third quarter fiscal year for synopsis, they had record quarterly revenue of 1.487 billion, up 19% year over year. Their gap earnings per share, $217, adjusted earnings per share $2.88. Both of those exceeded the high end of their guidance. And this company has had consecutive growth for. Many quarters now, Nick, why, even in the midst of a downturn, why is this company posting business growth?
0: Yeah, not just many quarters, case like many quarters times uh, many years. And I think the easy explanation that often gets cited is that Synopsys is a software as a service company. And that's why everybody left software as a service last decade. You got the consistent growth. And once you scaled high enough, consistent growth and profitability as well. Let's take it one step deeper, right? And we've mentioned this before, but let's just hammer the point home here, because I think it's an important one. Yes, Synopsis is software as a service, but those subscriptions, those deals that they strike with customers tend to have an average duration of two to three years. And so it gets the consistent revenue growth and it is consistently higher year in and year out because it follows the pace of research and development which steadily increases over time, regardless of what end demand is for chips, for semiconductors, because semiconductor companies can't just stop innovating. They can't just stop designing in a bad year because if they do, their competitors are going to gobble up market share at their expense. The next time that trough turns into the next upswing in semiconductor demand. So you get this nice steady increase in revenue because research and development dollars continue to get poured into chip design, regardless of what the current economic environment might be.
1: How is software and AI propelling growth for Synopsys?
0: Convergence of chip design and software development, Uh, Synopsys is helping enable that. And they've talked about this before. Chip companies like NVIDIA, like Broadcom and others increasingly becoming software focused companies, uh, AMD has some catch-up work to do in this department as well. You know, it illustrates the point though, that if you want to stay up to date with the times and you're a semiconductor business, you need to dabble at the very least in software and then software companies coming chip companies. And this is embodied in let's say Amazon, Amazon, AWS, uh, that Annapurna labs acquisition they made back in 2015. And of course, other big tech giants as well, predominantly software focused ones, Apple, also a bit of a poster child for this, designing their own chips now. So you see that convergence between the two. AI is really the next step, or maybe we'll say specifically generative AI, because there's AI has been around for decades and is pervasive already throughout the IT world. But generative AI, this newest, latest form of AI, just the next step up in In high performance compute, in like bleeding edge computing technology. Synopsys, you got to have it. It's almost a who's who. It doesn't matter if you're Intel and trying to build a turnaround, or if you're Nvidia pioneering new fields, or if you're any old technology company or any old company that needs to become a technology company, you probably need Synopsys' help.
1: In the quarterly news press release, Synopsys also reported that the role of CEO and president will be taken over by Mr. Sassine Ghazi from longtime CEO and co-founder Art DeGoose. Is that going to pose any changes or problems for Synopsis in the foreseeable future?
0: It could, Casey. And this is always something that's worth monitoring. We called out Texas Instruments when they had the CEO transition uh, earlier this year, and then lo and behold, a little bit of turbulence all of a sudden for Texas Instruments. Maybe that's the case here. Maybe not. I think one good thing to bear in mind, though, whenever there's a CEO transition is there's different types of CEO transitions. Sometimes it's because a CEO, a change in leadership is needed to take the business a new direction. That's not what's going on here. Uh, Mr. Ghazi, as you said, has been at Synopsis for a very long time, decades. Mr. DeGuse, co-founder of the business. He's been there since the get-go. He's probably just thinking about retirement. He is still going to be on board of directors and remain the chairman of the board of directors. So this should be a seamless transition, but it's something maybe just to bear in mind because sometimes CEO transitions happen sometimes when the CEO sees maybe some turbulence ahead. And so it's nice to retire at a high point. Maybe that's not going to happen though here, but maybe just something to keep in mind. I think it's a good point, Kathy.
1: We'll keep it in mind and monitor the situation as necessary for this CEO transition. Now, Nick, let's talk about how Synopsys is now playing in the cybersecurity space. And this is the reason that we're talking about Synopsys and Palo Alto Networks in the same video. So explain to us how Synopsys is making that addition to their portfolio.
0: Yeah, they got into this via acquisition, a few acquisitions actually over the last few years, still a very small piece of the business overall, only 10%. Interestingly in this latest quarter, as with prior quarters, it's actually one of the slowest growing segments at the moment for Synopsys versus its core EDA software. Some of that is likely just has a lot to do with the slowdown in cloud computing spend in 2023. A lot of those customers trying to conserve cash. Uh, So Synopsys has this goal of re-accelerating growth. And also of note is because this is such a small segment for them, it's also the least profitable. So Synopsys is one of their primary goals in the coming years is boosting profit margins, getting profit margins, operating margins well in excess of 30% like cadence design systems reports. Yeah, this is a growth business, probably one that will average a low teens percentage growth rate on average. But if they can successfully increase the profit margins of that software security and verification business, that's where a lot of the profit margin increase will occur. Uh, And if they can do it, if they can get those gap profit margins well in excess of 30%, you get the revenue growth and profit margin expansion, and it can be a winning combination. Even though, as I'm sure you've all looked up, synopsis currently at 450 bucks a share or as of this recording Casey it's an expensive stock no matter how you slice it gap net income and earnings per share free cash flow the assumption is the company will deliver on both of these fronts revenue growth and margin expansion that's why this has been a dollar cost average stock for us since we started buying it late in 2022 and and I think Investors should tread lightly if they're interested in this business, but that's the reason for the high valuation. It can be a powerful combination when you get those two things working in tandem.
1: Let's go ahead and segue into Palo Alto Networks, and we'll explain what this security system and verification is and why these two companies are now peers and competitors.
0: We'll delve into this in a little bit more detail with a couple of slides, Palo Alto Networks, Provided at their most recent update, but in simple terms, in recent years the cybersecurity industry has shifted to cloud-based security, uh, and that needed to happen because that's where IT has had all these different workloads that used to take place in a private data center or on personal computers or just within an office building, now suddenly shifting to. The cloud, a new breed of cybersecurity was needed. Now we're getting to a point where the software, the apps themselves probably really need to have some built in verification and security checks right from the get go. So there's a number of businesses involved with this. trace which we invest in and have mentioned in, in past videos, do this, but synopsis and Palo Alto Networks really have two top companies that have specifically been calling this out for a few years now as being a future need and the cybersecurity market needs to pay more attention to this to stay ahead of big future risks uh, that companies may face with their data, with their protecting the integrity of their workflow and their private information.
1: Palo Alto Networks really has a story of acquisitions. How has This company positioned itself as a leader in cybersecurity with all of the acquisitions it's made.
0: When the current CEO, Nikesh Arora came over uh, in 2018, this time five years ago, the goal was to get Palo Alto networks in position to address this cloud computing boom, because they were not at all uh, that type of cybersecurity business when he came in, it was still predominantly an older network based and firewall based security business. So they made over a dozen acquisitions of startups. They provide a great slide here outlining general timeline of events here with this. Most of these were very small startups. In total, they spent a few billion bucks in, in cash and a lot of stock to pay for these acquisitions, culminating in the purchase of CIDR security, another startup they purchased early this year, That specifically addresses what they call shift left cybersecurity. So instead of securing the cloud and the final workload, shifting left to verifying that the software itself doesn't have any holes, um, exploitable holes in it that can be breached and data stolen from, and then embedding some security directly into that. Because if you think of software as having its own supply chain. It's a manufactured product. It's not a tangible one that you can touch and feel, but it's still a product that needs to be built. And so they want to embed the security directly into that supply chain, into the construction and the build out of the software itself. That's what they're referring to when they talk about shift left here. And all those acquisitions helped get them to this point.
1: We've shown this slide about the cybersecurity industry a number of times now. And Palo Alto Networks is now dabbling in all of the cybersecurity network segment,
0: Yeah, from hardware, from the firewalls, uh, all the way to very large cloud networks and the convergence of those cloud networks, be it uh, public and private, because most large businesses use both a public and a private cloud network. Endpoint security, they have a little bit of that. We'll talk very briefly about one endpoint security stock here in a moment. They provide it all. They're a platform. So that's what they got themselves in position to be in this era of the cloud and AI and massive amounts of data being moved around from one point to another in the world. They think that you really need a large platform to help keep your IT operations safe. It's been a winning strategy up to this point for them, and they think it will continue to be.
1: How big is the cybersecurity industry? And what type of business growth does that mean for Palo Alto networks and companies like it?
0: Yeah, they provided a number of slides on this, Casey. Today, right now, it looks like this industry is worth just over 200 billion in global annual spending. And within the next five years, estimates point to this becoming something approaching or possibly exceeding 300 billion in global annual spend. The the top dog actually in this market is Microsoft, who said early this year, they were still growing at a very, very fast double digit percentage growth rate and pulling in something to the tune of 20 billion in annual sales. That's the big one. Microsoft is actually the big one. And Palo Alto Networks is the largest peer play. And when you compare them against Microsoft, We consider this to be more like a mid cap slash large cap stock because this market is highly fragmented, but that's the opportunity. Um, And all of these companies, especially the big ones, see opportunity and consolidating market share in addition to picking up the general industry growth. Again, platforms, they think platforms are the future. And in general, we we
1: agree. How is Palo Alto Networks using ai in their security systems and how will that affect the future systems and growth of the company
0: yes cybersecurity to quote Nikesh Arora, is in his words the most innovative of any sub industry within technology you can make an argument that that's the case you're you're under constant attack and so you constantly have to innovate to make sure you and your customers are not going to have a very very unsavory privilege of being in the news as having a large data breach, especially if it's like customer information, right? They provide these slides here on the future of their platform. And AI is embedded within all of this. And when we say AI, what we mean is automation. And that's important because as cloud systems and data continues to get more prolific and larger amounts of it, more sensitive amounts of it, you need to automate it. Humans cannot just stay on top of all of this and making sure everything is working properly and not leaking into the wrong hands so zero trust is reference to an architecture where uh, logging credentials are constantly being questioned so new technology going into the automation that to make sure users logging into an app or access to data is not falling into the wrong hands code to cloud platform So company already well positioned to protect the cloud, but that shift left again to protecting the software itself and then autonomous security ops platform. So automating the whole thing, creating this platform where AI is prolific through the whole software stack and making sure all parts of a company's IT operations are being secured and automating that security so that a team of people is not missing anything.
1: One point that they were very proud of is that they were recognized as the only leader in the 2023 Gartner Magic Quadrant for single vendor SASE, Secure Access Service Edge. So can you explain what this is and why it's important?
0: Yeah, That's a fun acronym, huh? SASE. What this is, Casey, they, they were ranked as the only leader, nuts on this Magic Quadrant as well. Further left in the magic quadrant, though, and, and further down in both breadth and depth of technology and ability to execute on their growth. So Palo Alto Networks, recognized as the leader in both of these departments, what this is, if you think about a very large organization, and maybe they have their own private network, they have a private data center, and it can only be accessed, let's say, if you're inside of the office or they have like their own private network that employees need to log into to access this thing. But in addition to that, maybe they also use a public cloud service, AWS. Maybe they house some apps that are on the cloud. There can be a gray area between those two things. At what point does your cybersecurity software cover maybe the private network and then when does it switch and you have maybe a different product that covers you? The public cloud, this is a very oversimplification of what this is, but basically the single vendor SASE is in reference to a service that covers all of it. The convergence of those different networks. So this is what Fortinet talks a lot about, right? With their hardware and their specific chip designs as as have the leading hardware of their chip design, plus this convergence of networks, Palo Alto networks, uh, more of a software-based approach. To this and currently the leader and for very large organizations looking for a way to secure all of their very, very complex IT workloads. They almost have to, by default, look at Palo Alto network and Fortinet, the second largest cybersecurity peer play. I think there's going to be a lot of competition in this magic quadrant to use the Gartner visualization of what this looks like and the competitive landscape. But as of right now, yes. Palo Alto, very proud of being named the only leader.
1: Revenue for the most recent quarter increased 25% year over year. The full-year gap net income was $440 million compared to a loss of $267 million in 2022. And free cash flow is $2.6 billion. Free cash flow profit margin of 38%, up 47% from 2022. The prediction from Palo Alto Networks is 17 to 19% annual growth for the next three years and profit margin expansion as well. Stock price is currently sitting right around $235, which is close to its all-time highs. Nick, what's the valuation of this company and is this stock a buy?
0: Yeah. First, maybe Casey, I'll just mention again, like Synopsys. The revenue growth and profit margin convergence, uh, the overlap of those two things, if both things work for the company, uh, this can be a fantastic compound growth story for many years to come. That's a powerful combination. As far as the valuation based on this current stock price, it's about 30 times trailing 12-month free cash flow. It's not the most expensive it's been over the last five years since Nikesh Aurora took over. It's definitely on the high side and 17 to 19% average revenue growth over the next three years is good. That's a good projection, but it's obviously not as fast as what they just experienced this past year, the last few years, really. So maybe a little bit of a slowdown coming. I think at this point, yes, the stock is definitely on the high side. Will that change? Yes, the company's making quick progress on gap net income still a free cash flow printing machine and maybe they start making some stock buybacks again with that free cash flow so i think this can be a winning stock over the long run but much like synopsis it carries a premium price tag there's probably going to be some pullbacks at some point so be patient if you must maybe make this a dollar cost average stock at this point and keep the position small until you see a more favorable time to enter a larger position. But don't expect this thing to get really really cheap anytime soon, even if there's a sizable pullback. When we're talking about leaders and a secular growth trend like cybersecurity, you're just going to have an elevated stock price. But maybe there's a Fortinet-style moment for Palo Alto Networks at some point in the future. If You don't know what I'm talking about? Check our last video on Fortinet. Where we explain what happened after earnings. Hint: It was a twenty-five percent pullback in the stock price.
1: Hey, tell me about Sentinel One. I was reading that company may be up for sale.
0: That's the report uh, that they were apparently putting themselves up for sale. This is one of our small cap basket stocks. It's a very very small position. High chance that this thing doesn't work out at all and it underperforms the market. But who knows? Maybe big upside for the company. Competes with CrowdStrike, uh, competes with Palo Alto Networks in endpoint security. So, cloud based security software for PCs, smartphones, and really any other network connected device. And th- this is interesting, Casey. We went back and forth a lot on whether or not we would add this to our basket. I'm of the opinion, based on just past experience of being burned, that cybersecurity is a notoriously nasty. Market, you can latch on to a, what seems to be a very great upstart growth story, and the company gets clobbered. It's hard to scale up and it's hard to begin turning a profit. If you can get your foot in the door, it can be a very lucrative business model. But again, because of the nature of the industry, the need for constant innovation, it can be tough. And Sentinel One is hitting some bumps in the road. So In the first quarter, 70% year over year growth and revenue, but the outlook for the rest of the year missed expectations 50% full year growth, which means by the end of this year, the company is going to be growing far less than 50%, probably something more like 20, 30%, like CrowdStrike is. That's not the reason they're exploring a sale, though, because one of the co founders is CEO of the business. This is a part of due diligence that often gets overlooked and it's easy to overlook. It is something that I think even we overlooked. We knew Sentinel one had a dual share class structure. So you have the class a shares, which are publicly traded for you and I and everyone else. But then there's these class B shares, which are not publicly traded. And the vast majority of those are owned by two venture capital companies that were early backers of Sentinel one before it, public in 2021. So this company called Insight Partners and Redpoint Ventures own most of those Class B shares.
1: Nick, why is that significant? What does that mean for us as investors?
0: Yeah, so you get certain rights when you become a shareholder of a business. Obviously, one of them uh, that always interests us as investors is the opportunity to share in the upside if the business grows profitably over time. That's why we all buy the stock, right? One of the other reasons you buy a stock is because you get to vote on some of the general direction of the business. You you get those annual proxy statements in the mail that says you can vote on the board of directors, uh, compensation packages, all sorts of things involving the general direction and governance of the business. These class B shares are significant though, because they hold virtually all of the voting rights and sentinel one which means we as class a shareholders basically get no say in what happens to the business and so these two venture capitalists they own most of those b shares on the this is from the proxy statement that uh, was released earlier this summer insight partners 48% of the voting power and redpoint ventures 23% so if you own some shares in sentinel one you're along for the ride with whatever insight partners and Redpoint ventures want for sentinel one and if they decide the company needs to be sold we basically they want to cash out they want their money out of sentinel one Uh, the story is not playing out like they thought it would they want their cash back so they can go invest in another venture another startup and maybe you invested in sentinel one for the long term surprise nasty surprise these two venture capitalists do not have the same long-term mindset that you may have. And so that's probably why the company was exploring a sale. Uh, These two venture capitalists just wanted to cash out.
1: So who could be potential buyers for Sentinel One?
0: It would be really interesting to see another cybersecurity company take over Sentinel One. More than likely though, because Sentinel One loses so much money right now. Yes, they're growing, uh, they're scaling up rapidly, but Bleeding cash, they have years to go before they, they turn the corner on profitability, which probably means it's going to be a private equity firm that ends up buying this and they, you know, start hacking away at expenses and turn a profit and then maybe sell it again and, and turn a profit on that eventual sale. Uh, the good news is though, because Sentinel One is an out of favor business right now, it sounds like maybe the offer price that Sentinel one got was not that good. So it sounds like perhaps maybe the business is not up for sale anymore, but we'll see. And that could obviously change because these venture capitalists are probably eager to get their money out at a favorable price as quickly as they can. And that may not be good for you and I as long-term shareholders.
1: I guess with that being said, you would not recommend buying Sentinel one at this point then?
0: Uh, yeah, you could say that, Casey. <laughs> this is no longer on our DCA, dollar cost average list, uh, given this new information. What have we got for next week?
1: We have Marvel Technology, which reports this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're still trying to reach 10,000 subs by the end of the year. So help us out by subscribing to our channel and sharing our channel with your fellow investors. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon at Chip Stock Investor.